May 28, 1993. Monaco and Eritrea join the United Nations. 1996. Someone notices. Welcome to The Revisionist, the show that has an alibi for the Garfield assassination. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest tonight is one of my favorite, favorite up-and-comers in the Denver comedy scene, uh, Zach Welch, everyone. Oh, hello. Zach hello. Welch. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is a first for us. It's the first time we have two Zachs oh. on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Two men of the same name. Anything can happen. Heretofore <laughs> unheard of, except in literally every episode of the show where everybody has the same fucking name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's usually not the host. It's also our first time in our brand new recording studio, so yes. forgive us if Forgive us if we sound like we're in a wind tunnel or something like that. Or if you can occasionally hear a cat yowling, that might come up. That's just because we're skinning cats. (laughs) We're also recording in a shelter. Yes, a cat shelter. Yeah. It's It's not the best space. No, but I think it adds something. Their fur is great for the acoustics. Oh, goddammit. If you're not familiar with the show, each episode we take a different topic from history. One host presents a true story. One host comes up with an alternate history, and the winning story becomes our accepted history. Last week, we discussed George Washington with Timmy Lasley mm-hmm. and her alternate, in which George Washington was two children on top of each other's shoulders wearing a very large coat. Yes, who replaced themselves piece by piece with meat and uh, flesh and bone from other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that one out. His racist teeth. <laughs> yes, yeah. his racist teeth. <laughs> now, canonically true... I don't know if that I, was actually in the... Uh, I feel like we were lukewarm on that okay. in the actual episode. TBD. TBD. Science has yet to determine <laughs> where racism comes from, if it is, in fact, the teeth. Or is it white people? Uh, yeah, or the, the patriarchy. How do we get rid of that, huh? Teeth are historically the whitest part of a person, so... <laughs> historically. Yeah. How is that? <laughs> I mean, except for that one time in the 1600s where everyone was doing chew. Yeah, I would say historically, actually, teeth are pretty yellow. Teeth are yeah. pretty gross. I think historically, only, they're just decaying out of your face. Teeth yeah. only got white fairly recently, I feel like. Yeah, and they don't stay that way. After the invention of smiling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which sounds like a shitty Brian Wilson solo album. Yeah. When it became like a status symbol to have good teeth is when that started mm-hmm. to matter right like when in, when is that gonna what revisionist episode is that gonna be as opposed to the previous status symbol of having teeth like swiss cheese you guys right. are just making <laughs> me think of the unfortunate dentist who surely existed who decided for his dentist's office he would have a big banner that says white power <laughs> oh only did he learn too late that that motto is taken <laughs> <laughs> of course when he was hit with a cease and desist mm-hmm. by the South. Yeah. Or maybe he started and it. Like, also the rest of Maybe the it was intended as a well-intentioned motto and like just the Co-opted. founder of the whatever, that Colonel Forrest or whatever, the Ku Klux Klan walked in one day and was like, hey now. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, <laughs> that was the Colgate star. motto for years and years and years. Of course. <laughs> well, uh, this week we'll be discussing Benedict Arnold. Top five historical traders, according to that countdown on VH1. We'll see. <laughs> of course. We'll see about that. After what? Eddie Van Halen, I think? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it was <laughs> Judas, <laughs> Brutus, Cassius, Eddie Van Halen, and then Benedict Arnold. And then my stepdad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for both. <laughs> I forgot you wrote that countdown for yeah. VH1. You write all oh, the really? countdowns where your stepdad is somehow in the. It's the only writing gig I can get, Brian. <laughs> for some reason, I thought number six was just a catch-all that just had stepdads. Because let's be honest, 
very few of them are faithful. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty easy go-to. I, I, I go there probably every other time I get on stage. I'm just like, oh, my dad, something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, stepdad just sounds so good in coming out of your mouth. I feel uh, like that. Does it, it, it felt good because I don't have a stepdad and I don't like my real dad. So it felt good coming out of my mouth. <laughs> no, it's like a, so you have a fantasy, fantasy scenario. Yeah. <laughs> not yes, but like, not, the, not the kind of stepdad fantasy you're thinking, Brian. No, Flynn. the stepdad fantasy where like you have a stepdad. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. It's like the movie Step. Stepmom, but you know, gender swapped. It's like all my dinosaur fantasies. When too. are we going to see a male-driven stepmom? It's 2016. <laughs> the women are taking all the movies. I don't know that that's true. That they are. It's kind of just Ghostbusters right and even, now. And even if it was, shouldn't that be okay? Like, yeah. shouldn't we just step back from that one? I think you guys are taking me far too seriously. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I had to for the bit because you were representing a straw man, straw woman, if you will. No. Um, now they're taking our I am. logical fallacies too. <laughs> when will they stop? Our logical vaginacies <laughs> to defallace that a little more. Logical vaginacy dialogues, monologues. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, this week I'll be presenting the true story and Zach to Zach Welch. The lesser Zach. <laughs> the lower <Yes>, Zach. Zach. <laughs> the stranger you don't know and don't trust. <laughs> I get that a lot. I get that yeah, a lot. I, get, I mean, it would help if that wasn't on your business card. It would. It sure would. I uh, need to stop getting my business cards made uh, for or a on commercial your okay online. profile. Yeah, that's a good point. Good criticism. Thank you for that feedback, Brian. I will. No, it's true. I, <laughs> I proofread people's okay cupids. To be honest with you, a Tinder profile that said a stranger you don't know and don't trust would be kind of charming to me. Yeah, I'll swipe that right all day. <laughs> yeah, that'd be. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I could see that. But if we're all ready. Yeah, let's learn. Let's learn some shit. Benedict Arnold was born in 1741. He was attracted by the sound of a drummer to enlist in the Connecticut militia in 1755. I also read that on Wikipedia. I thought yeah. that was a funny way to phrase that. Yes, which oh. is... I mean, it's basically like the Marines commercial with the dragon and the sword, but like the colonial version, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. If you go to his Facebook page under favorite movies, it's like Whiplash, Birdman, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. I Those are the drum was, movies I know. <laughs> I just assumed it was hypnotism uh, that got him to join the army. You know, that's... That hypnotic, the drumming, mm-hmm. that hypnotic rhythm. Colonial drumming, right. He thought it was a dance party and just enlisted. Drum also, line, also, when are they going to make a drum one. line? Yeah, when is my drum line of Colonial America coming out? That would be <laughs> that would be racially insensitive, though, wouldn't it? Like A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But I think a lot of Colonial America is kind of racially insensitive. Um, is that my second racial slur? How, where am I with those? Punch <laughs> card. Oh, that was an off-mic <laughs> conversation. I, I joke that happened <laughs> off-air. And your first oh, one did. happened oh. off-air. Of course. <laughs> Um, he, <laughs> that out. <laughs> he enlisted in 1757, uh, and he joined the militia that was marching to confront the French forces during the French and Indian War. Uh, but along the way, they heard about atrocities committed by the Indian allies of the French and immediately turned back <laughs> and went back to Connecticut. Which I think is great because mm-hmm. it's just I just picture them like tugging at their collars and being like, "Ooh, I, don't, I left something at home. I, gonna, uh, I didn't <laughs> sign on for atrocities. <laughs> I was just here for a war. I didn't know just, there would be atrocities. They're just gonna be drumming in bitches the whole time. Like <laughs> that, that's how they got their name, the Second Connecticut Drum and Bitch, <laughs> <laughs> the Bitch Drummers. <laughs> um, his father died deeply in debt. And Benedict mm-hmm. bought the family estate and then a year later sold it at a much higher price 
So not only was he a traitor, he was a house flipper. Yeah. Which is almost I, worse to me. There's two uh-huh. ways to spell traitor. Yep. I actually made that joke later in the later in my <laughs> notes, but Hey, that's what most of my jokes are about. Uh, but exactly. I think HGTV is how you spell traitor in that case. <laughs> the brother's property. He ended up, he captained a ship for a period of time that sailed between Connecticut and the West Indies. Uh, during this time, he fought a duel with a British sea captain who said he was, quote, destitute of good manners. Uh, so he injured him in a duel. And then when he said he would kill him on the next round, the... Uh, the British captain apologized. Yeah, he shot that bitch. <laughs> yeah, that was how they phrased it in the papers at the time. Mm-hmm. It's only good matters manners to only kill on the second duel. Of course. So he proved him wrong. After the Stamp and Sugar Axe threatened his trade, he joined the Sons of Liberty, uh, which was a group of terrorists. But they were on our side, so we called them patriots. Like the Christians. What? Uh, they, yeah, trenchant, they, trenchant political insight from Brian Flynn on this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Real Time with Bill Maher, everybody. No, I don't <laughs> want to be Bill Maher. He starts the war as a captain in the Connecticut militia, and he proposed to the Massachusetts Safety Committee a plan to seize Fort Ticonderoga in upstate New York. He got there in time to play a major role in the capture, but Ethan Allen got most of the credit for the capture, even though Benedict Arnold did a lot of the planning and a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. He did other things to distinguish himself in the Northeast. He pushed the Continental Congress to conduct an invasion of Quebec, and they give command to uh, a general named Richard Montgomery. And so he's pissed that he doesn't get command. So he goes directly to George Washington and be like, we should send another expedition to Quebec, and you should put me in charge of this one. And so he does. And he gets there in time for a disastrous battle. Montgomery is killed. Arnold takes a bullet in the leg that basically shatters his left leg. Yeah. They have to retreat. Mm-hmm. After this, he's promoted for basically coming up with the whole idea. He's promoted to brigadier general because that's how the military works. Mm. He was later passed over for a promotion to major general. George Washington even wrote a letter. That's too, that's too bad. He's quite the snub. Yeah, I exactly. feel like he would have been the model of a modern major general. Mm, yep. Mm. But. Uh, something, something vegetable, mineral. Uh, yeah, some mineral definition, mineral or vegetable. I can't remember the song. <laughs> Look, you brought it up. That's points already. Heard that a few times. I have no idea what that reference is. <laughs> Gilbert and Sullivan, yeah. uh, Pirates of Penzance. Yes. Oh yeah, I don't know musicals. Here is to theater majors. <laughs> <laughs> we are intolerable. Good. Um, well. Washington writes a letter to the Continental Congress saying that. Hey, if we screw over Benedict Arnold again, we might lose him. He had G-Dubs in his pocket for a minute, too. I mean, and you could tell G-Dubs was kind of screwing him over on the side. Like, G-Dubs is out for G-Dubs. But... uh, Do you have a punch card where if you say G-Dubs ten times, you get a free sub? No, but I didn't write George Washington once. I just wrote G-Dubs like a whole bunch of times. So that's what I'm going to go with. No, that's what I did, too. That's fair enough. See, I told you. At another battle, uh, again in the Northeast, he's wounded for a second time in his left leg, and then he is promoted to Major General after getting wounded again. But he's promoted specifically without seniority Mm -hmm. over the people who were promoted before him, and he was kind of bargaining with Congress over that and over his pay, and so he was kind of pissed about that. Mm, Super pissed about that. Mm -hmm. And then the Battle of Saratoga comes, and it's a great uh, American victory. And Benedict Arnold is wounded in the left leg a third fucking time. And then they give him his seniority over it. Um, That's how they felt so bad for the third one that they had to fix what they did wrong when they felt bad the second time. Well, he was basically like, you're you're just doing this because I keep getting wounded in this shit. 
He was probably doing it on purpose. Like, respect me. Somebody shoot like, me. Fuck. Oh, no. My left leg. I'm leaving it in the field of battle. Bro just the shot time. at himself because they didn't, it wasn't developed enough at that time to know, like, to he catch just, people doing that. He was like, I'm going to be fucking promoted. They're going to give it to me sooner or later. I just have to keep shooting myself. He got kept getting shot in the same leg. That's not luck. You can't get the same leg shattered three times. He just painted a target on his left leg and no one noticed it. I feel like he must have like stuck his leg out from behind a dangerous corner like mm. some people do with a hat on a stick <laughs> just to test and see if the enemy was there. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's test their accuracy. I'll use a body part for this. <laughs> you know you can just throw your shoe out there. Like, you don't have to... No, no, my, but my shoe is on my leg. I can't lose my shoe. Uh, and getting my shoe shot is not going to get me promoted, so... You, exactly. you don't want to lose your dominant well, leg. Well, get your shoe promoted. Eventually, after the British retreat from Philadelphia, Washington appoints Arnold as the military commander of Philly. Uh, and he immediately starts profiteering from the movement of materials there. Living large. Yeah. And this was, to be marginally fair, not uncommon at the time. Morally wrong, but not uncommon. Well, and he was running to a lot of opposition from like local police and um, local political leaders weren't enjoying that he was just making more money than them. They yeah, were so basically. jealous. That, he was and that's how a lot of that worked. And when people publicly accused him of being a war profiteer, his response was, quote, having become a cripple in the service of my country, I little expected such ungrateful returns. So that's why handicapped people are allowed to commit crimes to this day. Exactly. There we go. Well, he was in Philadelphia. He courted or uh, banged uh, a woman named Peggy Shippen. He was oh, to put it in the modern in parlance for for people who might not be aware. Uh, a woman named Peggy Shippen, who was the daughter of a loyalist, uh, who had previously been courted by. Whoa! Could you courted? Sorry, uh, plowed. Banged, oh, okay, okay. Uh, put her head through the wall. Sexed up. Mm. Uh, sex down sexed all around (laughs) god damn it by british major john andre who has the most romance sounding name of the revolutionary war uh it even has an accent on the e Mm -hmm. just for reference yeah um my paper is littered with accents just (laughs) just willy-nilly all over the place just to sex it up a little bit yeah where they don't belong b's and j's and shit yeah exactly (laughs) well he was in philadelphia arnold expressed his feelings that the nation and the revolution was doomed. At one point, Congress fa- found that Arnold owed them a thousand pounds due to uh, accounting errors, and he couldn't find the documents to back them up. And he said that the documents were lost when he was retreating from Quebec. Classic line. Dumb yeah, joke. I've used that to explain like why I lost my homework mm-hmm. when yeah. I don't have a report ready. Yeah, oh, I was retreating from Quebec. There was a man named Joseph Stansberry who Peggy Shippen used to run messages to her friends across the front lines. Joseph Stansbury introduced Arnold to the new British spy chief, who happened to be Major John Andre. Arnold provides troop locations and numbers to the British forces while he's still haggling over how much they'll pay him, kind of like his negotiations with the Continental Congress. Because no shame at this point. Why would you have any? Yeah. He His leg's be- already so fucked up. I My favorite part about the leg being so fucked up, too, was that they uh, he refused to have it amputated. And so they set it so poorly that he was just hobbling around. It was two yeah. inches shorter than the other one. Just fucking... Yeah. And still and still crushing pussy in Philadelphia. Apparently. Mm. I mean, we don't know. It was just, like, at least the one. We don't well, know if he was crushing pussy. <laughs> he has, like, he, he has like 10 kids, though. He was, <laughs> he was very fertile. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, all the haggling over his titles and his salary 
is just kind of making me imagine Benedict Arnold as Pete Campbell from Mad Men. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I pictured him. So at this point, he's also being court-martialed for the uh, money he owes to uh, to the Continental Congress and for his acts of profiteering. He's kind of publicly rebuked by Washington, even as he's sort of congratulating him with one hand and being like, maybe you shouldn't commit crimes with the other. One hand, I mean, I'm assuming one child hand, like on yeah, the of course. top and, and then... Lawrence's yeah. other child hand. Well, it was just on a plastic pole. It was like an owl. It was a shark grabber. Yeah. That right. they stuck out to pretend it was a hand. Hands mm-hmm. were different then. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it's after this time during the court martial and his public rebuke by George Washington that he's offered command of West Point, uh, a major, a major fort because the army doesn't know what the fuck it's doing at that time in history or maybe even now. So Arnold takes over West Point and he immediately begins weakening its defenses. He distributes it, its troops so far apart that they are basically useless. He sells off a lot of their equipment and supplies. He meets with John Andre and discusses the surrender of West Point. And the meeting goes so long and John Andre's ship is fired upon by American forces. So to get Andre back to New York, Benedict Arnold gives him a pass to get through the lines and he leaves him with the plans to West Point. Because traveling colonial America was really just a series of hall passes, right? Basically, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, colonial America, if you think of it like high school. G-Dubs was like the popular cheerleader. Yeah. And like, didn't, you know, was kind of two-faced and everybody wanted to be her friend, but nobody really liked her. Like after they graduated, uh, she just ended up working at Target. Yeah. yeah. Ta- the equivalent of being the first president working at Target. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly, I could see that being the most thankless, awful job. No. And Washington did hate it, to be fair. So maybe. It was like pulling teeth. Being, uh, mm. like, uh, although the face you made after telling that joke, the listeners won't get to see it, but it was <laughs> ambrosia. So he sends John Andre along. And the next morning, he's supposed to have breakfast with George Washington uh, when he gets word that Andre was caught by three militiamen and he was on his way to, uh, to prison, I guess. I didn't write down exactly where, so we'll say prison. Arnold but flees. Again, to- it may have been Turks and Caicos. It may have been the it- Bahamas. It's Peggy Shippen's house. It, yeah, exactly. It may have been a Golden Corral or <laughs> a Cracker Barrel. A Cracker Barrel, probably more historically accurate. Right. Arnold flees to New York. Uh, John Andre is hung. Uh, also, he is executed. Um, uh, the British make <laughs> Benedict Arnold. Uh, fuck you, I stand by that one. <laughs> the British make Benedict Arnold a brigadier general, and they but they reduce his pay because his plan failed, and the British mm. army get how this shit works. Um, British people are cheap too, okay. like super cheap. Okay. Yeah, back then. Back so this then, is like now. the part in Mad Men where the English firm buys the company and everybody yeah. gets demoted. This is really a lot like Mad Men, except yeah. with fewer women, basically, mm-hmm. which is oh, surprising. They're there. Nobody just nobody gives them any credit for anything. Yeah, yeah. History true. wasn't writing about them at that time. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're they're there. Mm-hmm. So in that yeah. sense, exactly like Mad Men. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I even read that Peggy Shippen was... Uh, Peggy? Doing... Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was was doing some of the illicit activities for her husband in mm-hmm. her women's circles, in their coffee clutches and sewing circles or whatever. That's the, that's the verbiage I came across. Yeah, she was... Um, um, she passed along messages. Just in her whore coven. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that got incredibly misogynistic. Oh, God. 
Um, that's that's where they collected back then. This is old. This, this was revolutionary old. language. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and many of them were burned as witches anyway. So yeah, but at this time they grew up like actual fires and they just insulted them. No, oh, yeah, like burned okay. as like witches. A okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. That'd be way better. Um, yeah, I would. You know what? If I read about the Salem witch trials and it was like. 20 women were first were accused of being wishes and had to be roasted. <laughs> uh, the queen of mean, Lisa Lampanelli, <laughs> really gave it to them. <laughs> and I would was say, talk executed. shit about them while they're on fire. I would say, this is not a dark chapter of history. At best, it is a gray chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Benedict Arnold, well, in the service of the British Army, led campaigns in Virginia, including the capture of Richmond. That caused Thomas Jefferson to flee the governor's mansion in horror, uh, which I never get tired of mentioning. Um, you guys do not like old TJ. Exactly. And he provided advice to Generals Clinton and Cornwallis, but neither of them really trusted him because of everything that was untrustworthy about him. So they never really took his advice. But a lot of the things he suggested may have not saved the British cause, but prolonged it. He suggested to Cornwallis building fortifications around Yorktown that weren't up against the coast. And Cornwallis didn't listen to him, which led to the British forces being trapped. Yeah. And their ultimate surrender and defeat at Yorktown. One thing I have heard about uh, Mr. Arnold is that um, he was, both for the Americans and later for the British, actually a fairly adept military strategist. Mm-hmm. I, I read once that he had a, a higher success rate in battle than uh, G-dubs, as he has been called, uh, despite his untrustworthy uh, other failings. Yes. There's a monument at the battlefield in Saratoga. It has five slots for statues. Four of them are filled. Philip Schuyler, Horatio Gates, I believe. There's one that's left empty, and the plaque on it says, uh, to the best soldier in the Revolutionary Army. Uh, and it's clearly meant to be Benedict Arnold. Footnotes, but they don't snitches mention don't get it. memorials. Exactly. It's actually just a shattered left leg, too. That's the statue. <laughs> uh, it's abstract. <laughs> After the war, he lived in London and St. John's, New Brunswick, where he was a trader with a D. He was known for his business deals and petty lawsuits. Uh, in fact, after one where he sued someone for slander, uh, the public got so fed up with him that they burned him in effigy in front of his own house. Uh, and these are Canadians, by the way, uh, doing that. His last words, it said, were, quote, let me die in this old uniform in which I fought my battles. May God forgive me for ever having put on another. But probably not. That was probably apocryphal. Mm. Probably never actually said that. But that kind of speaks to something about Benedict Arnold's story. I think I feel like when people first learn about him, they learn that he was... When they're very young, they learn about him as a traitor it's, and as this evil figure. And then as people start to get more in the history, they learn about like his being passed over and his sure. being screwed over. Mm. But the thing is, he was more complicated than that, in that he wasn't this wronged figure or this traitor. He was both. He was a total douchebag. He was a war profiteer, a traitor. And all of these things are true about him. Complicated stuff. Yeah. The thing about the last words does sound sort of like there's a famous story that Charles Darwin uh, allegedly like recanted all of Mm -hmm. his life works on his life. But it's almost certainly false. Yeah. Yeah. Historical revisionism, if you will. Mm. I I don't know where these people get off. (laughs) Nerve. And that's the true account of Benedict Arnold. All right. Well, that was one big sack of shit. (laughs) Um, 
best segue. <laughs> uh, no, you know, actually, a lot of a lot of those things did happen, but uh, you know, certainly the way that history is told uh, with respect to Benedict Arnold um, is it's definitely just not telling the whole picture. So uh, Benedict Arnold was um, born in seven. 70- oh, and by the way, history is just full of like lasers and lizard people, right? <laughs> um, lizard people, yeah. This yeah. story is. I not. mean, lasers are. <laughs> Like part of history. That's what it said. That was the subtitle to my high school history book, I think. Lasers and lizard people. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually just the doodles you made in your high school history notebook. No, that makes more sense. <laughs> just crude animals. <laughs> yeah. It was just fighter jets and Zeppelin <laughs> rules. <laughs> We're way younger than that. Yeah, I, don't know. Right, right. <laughs> I went to school in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> Um, good. So he was indeed born 1741. Uh, his father was sort of the Donald Trump of upstate Connecticut, uh, just an uncultured psychopath with a penchant for the art of the deal, right? Um, he made <laughs> no, his that money, was his pamphlet. He, he made his money uh, in the agrarian society there, just building and flipping bigger and bigger. Tremendous farms, really. Huge. Huge farms. If you will. Um, and so from his father, Benedict Arnold adopted his love of, of, of the deal, of making deals, of, of making mm. trades, if you will. Um, <laughs> sure, I will. So, on, <laughs> have, we, that joke hasn't already been made twice. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be made. It's gonna be made a few more times. Just you wait. Just yeah, that's that's the only joke I wrote. So, um, they also had on their on their estate, um, as many estates at the time did, sort of a petting zoo situation. They had some horses, mm-hmm. some sheep, some chickens. Um, you know, he, a petting he, zoo. Exactly, and he took very much uh, young Benedict Arnold to the chickens. Um, his favorite chicken was sort of a runty little hen named Fanny. Um, and she'll come back in a moment. Now, everything. I'm, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that wasn't just. <laughs> yeah, just just that, I'm glad and then it wasn't just <laughs> and then completely go somewhere else. Okay. Um. So everything was fine, really, for Benedict Arnold until he turned nine, uh, and that's when his siblings started dying off of yellow fever. Mm-hmm. Um. And so at twelve, due to his fa- uh, his father's alcoholism, he was pulled out of the private school that he was in. And this was a really dark time for young Benedict Arnold, right? He didn't have any friends at school. He was running out of siblings at home. His father was an alcoholic. <laughs> running um, out of siblings out at of home. Siblings. Right. Yeah, just precious few siblings <laughs> left at this point. I mean, you got to just reuse and recycle those siblings. Yeah, really. <laughs> we're, running out, we're running out of them. I mean, <laughs> at we know alarm. now with global warming that siblings are a limited resource. There's a hole in the sibling layer. <laughs> now, as, um, as their family was having these financial troubles, it became increasingly difficult to pay for their little petting zoo. They had to get rid of the horses and the sheep. And one day, in an alcoholic rage, his father made him watch as he broke Fanny's neck no. and cooked her for the family. Oh, God. Marley and me. That's where we start. There we go. That's Wait, that? that was, and that was his first taste of betrayal. Was that so, the end of Marley and me? <laughs> what the fuck? Did happened? Owen Wilson break the, Marley's yeah. neck in and front of his son? Him. Uh-huh. And, that's holy <laughs> shit. That movie is. I get why people cried so much. Yeah, that movie was darker than the holy the previews fuck. let on. Um, so uh, the, of course, the murder of uh, his favorite chicken friend totally <laughs> scarred him for life, um, <laughs> and and really the the, the biggest long lasting uh, effect. Uh, was that he became just obsessed, obsessed with eggs. Completely mm-hmm. obsessed with eggs. Naturally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because because that was why she wasn't producing eggs, and so his father killed her, and then he just had a complex about eggs for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, so Benedict Arnold grew more and more angst-ridden as his teen years progressed. Um, he spent um, as much time as he could with the chickens, taking their eggs to farmer's markets, trying to find ways to profit off of um, selling and trading eggs. Uh, mm-hmm. tensions at home 
alcoholic Would you say that financially mm. he was putting all his eggs in one basket? I would. I, I, Good. I'm glad we said that so we don't have to say that again. Scribble that out. Uh, <laughs> that, again, the collection of faces as people say jokes on this episode has been <laughs> spot on. We've got, uh, we've got a gaping mouth and a kind of a sneer or a smirk. <laughs> one uh, more and we get a bingo. Right, right. Hey, it's on you. That's, you're the last one. I'll work Just on it. Wait. Um, so tensions at home were really high. You know, people were dying. People were drinking too much. Um, <laughs> and so, so he joined the Connecticut militia in 1756. Mm-hmm. Um, and there he was bullied mercilessly for his love of eggs, earning him, of course, the nickname Eggs Benedict. Okay. I should have seen it. Yeah, didn't see that coming, but... So after completing... Also, really, they were terrible at nicknames back then. <laughs> it was not... It was, there wasn't a time of much... Uh, wasn't, what, was the, what, are the, what was the insult? The, um, the Honduran... Or the, the, I'm sorry, the British captain in the waters of Honduras? Uh, he that's, said he was destitute of good manners. Damned Yankee, destitute of good manners, or those of a gentleman. So that's kind of on yeah. par, I think, with the insults sure. of the time. Yeah, that's true. So after he completed uh, his time in the in the Connecticut militia, you know, after he deserted, uh, he took um, he took a gap year to really find himself and mm-hmm. pursue his true passion, eggs. Uh, he traveled to all about New England, you know, from Quebec to Williamsburg, from Boston to Fort Duquesne, just all over the place, selling eggs. Learning more about different chickens in different parts of New England, uh, oh, trading eggs parts of the with other people, learning about that too. You, you get you get bored on those long horse rides. <laughs> mm, so, oh, there's horses. Anyway, as with most millennials, he eventually had to Wait, hold on. What? <laughs> well, because at this time, so at this time it was what maybe 1758. And he was born in 41, so he was, you know, 90. As with, we're the millennials. I know that he's not, I'm the millennial. Yeah, no, it was, um, uh, back then it was about literal mills because most people worked <laughs> in mills. <laughs> so they were like Milner, I don't know, so. Anyway, he eventually uh, had to settle down and find some solid work. Um, he was, uh, he was a success with the first, you know, bookstore pharmacy that he opened. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's the kind of business it was. Like if mutiny were to just open a dispensary, that's pretty much what he did there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was, he was a success with that. Uh, but after a few years, you know, he really began to yearn for the egg trade. You know, that was mm-hmm. his passion. That's that, that was, that was what really sparked it, um, in his, in his soul. So he left his sister in charge of things and took off to trade exotic eggs in the West Indies, mm-hmm. just eggs of all kinds of animals, all kinds of creatures crocodiles different lizards turtles different birds really got into the egg trade so mm-hmm. um he found a life of excitement leisure dueling um and having to witness fanny's murder made him really violent in his 20s and that's where all the dueling yeah. comes from i could see that yeah um so the stamp and sugar axe severely cramped his style uh he continued to trade um but he eventually came home uh to to, to work more art of the deal magic and protect his right to trade eggs from the British, you know, that's, right. he was, he was really, uh, he was just really upset that they were, they were stealing that away from him. I like, mean, he was just a simple egg man. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah. Just, he just fought like how, Sonic, your standard <laughs> egg man things. Just oh, like how you guys are going to have reference. to fight to protect this podcast after Trump gets elected and does away with free speech. Mm. Um, sort of the same thing. I assume this is your passion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think Trump would be all about revisionist history, to be honest with you. I mean, to be fair, I don't think. I think we might fly under the radar a little bit. Mm. I think he might be more focused on racism in general, not like solving Promoting it, but creating it. it. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, so he did, he did that for a little while. You know, he did, uh, he got married. He did the war thing for a little bit. He, uh, lived extravagantly in Philadelphia. Egg. Um, Extravagantly. Extravagantly, that's right. Uh, and he was, you know, he was a divisive figure with the Continental Congress, but he got in good with G-dubs, and then he started getting in better with the Continental Congress um, after he got shot, you know, because he got hit with a few shells, and then he walked with a limp. Egg and if the shells. Continental Congress hate, then let them hate and watch the money pile up. All right. <laughs> um, and there were a lot of haters. There were a lot of haters. In uh, 1776, he was in Rhode Island, and he was assuming that he had caught a break with his career. Um, so he got a little bit lazy uh, on, on the job side. Um, you know, he assumed that he was going to get the major general promotion because um, he was next in line. He just figured that was going to be that was going to be what had happened. So he started to slack and spent more time with his eggs. I was going to say, at this point, he might have egg on his face. What did uh-huh. I say? It like a Batman villain. <laughs> Brian trying to contribute his delivering a joke with a weird face contribution for the episode. Yeah, there we go. We all need one. So at at this point, his first wife had had passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, He met a lovely young woman named Betsy DeBloy one day when he was browsing her egg selection at the farmer's market uh, there in Rhode Island. And it was it was just love at first sight. Sorry, I was, I was treating browsing her egg selection as sexual innuendo when it wasn't. We'll get to that. Let me, um, <laughs> I see the connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was just, just browsing every night, sometimes twice. Um, but it was that. It was, it was. It was love at first sight, you guys. It was that kind of quick, passionate whirl, whirlwind romance that went extinct after the advent of the internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, they shared. They shared a love of eggs rivaled only by their love of Benedict's penis. And she was soon pregnant. Now, mere days after Again. determining that she was pregnant by whatever old school chicken eggs, they used. Betsy's eggs, exactly, Benedict which came Arnold. first. <laughs> so Benedict then learned that he had been passed over for that promotion to major general right after he found out Betsy was pregnant um, in 1777. Mm. In February, he found out that he'd been passed over for that promotion. So furious, Benedict travels to Philadelphia to try to appeal what he saw as this mistreatment. Um, on the way there, he found himself engaged in a military skirmish and his leg got injured. Betsy, not wanting her child to grow up fatherless and uh, also just totally over eggs because that's what pres- uh, pregnancy does to you. Just she was over eggs. He's done with it. Um, so they didn't have, they couldn't share that anymore. So that's what pregnancy does. To that's you. what pregnancy does to you. Um, and menopause like more accurately. And who would who would know better than three men? Mm-hmm. Well, pregnancy in the 1700s makes reproduction way less cute. You guys like way <laughs> less adorable because it can kill you. Uh, but she <laughs> she ended the relationship to find a more suitable match for marriage, and she had to do it pretty quickly, of course, because she was great with child. Um, she married a socialite, William Sage, from Providence in April, and gave birth to a John, son, John, in early September. Now, Benedict Arnold continued his military service. He was wounded again in October of 77. Um, he took some time off to heal and learn to walk as a cripple. Uh, and he found that the egg trade he so loved in Philadelphia had totally gone soft. Like all the egg traders were practically giving eggs away. Uh, gone were the duels. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to stop for just a second yeah. because about every third sentence, Brian looks over to me like he has the best singer. Yeah. And he's just barely suppressing it. <laughs> I think that that's just how my face looks. I was trying to think of something with soft boiled when he said gone soft, but. <laughs> Of course, the best zingers. Yeah. <laughs> Brian's really comfortable. His favorite zone of comedy is egg comedy. Yeah, so this that, is a delight for this him. Is, this is really in my wheelhouse. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that was an egg pun. It is not. <laughs> 
Um, so all the new egg traders in town were just giving eggs away. There were no more duels or threats of physical violence that um, had so characterized and galvanized the egg traders of of, of his day. Um, which, you know, all the egg traders that were big three years ago, because they had all moved on to trade eggs in the West Indies or New York or L.A. And all these, and, uh, and all these upstarts had come in and really poached all the best. Mm-hmm. Yep. God damn it, you created a monster that here. Did, I don't that... think you realize what you've done. I feel like, I feel like Zach's really walking on eggshells around us yep. during this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've well, really scrambled up the format of holy pod. shit <laughs> <laughs> like how much is enough <laughs> at long last uh, i have another page of it <laughs> um so benedict arnold needed more than he was getting in philadelphia as far as the egg trade goes um unfortunately political conditions in 1777 were not as favorable to international egg trade as they were in like 63 right mm. um so he began to seek out smugglers smuggling circles he eventually met uh someone who was event who was basically like the trap queen of the black market of that day peggy shippen um and they were wed in april of 79 you got something for us brian no no sorry i just <laughs> Uh, so I just, I just wanted a good to, egg temperature, or I, I just wanted to tell our listeners you can find the definitions of trap queen on Urban Dictionary because <laughs> I don't fucking know it. So with with Peggy's help, he was able to contact egg traders in Britain, uh, most notably Major John Andre. Um, John he, Andre. He, he, he got to continue his illicit trading activities for a while, but one thing he, you know, he got a lot deeper into the egg trade here because Peggy Shippen wasn't just trading like turtle eggs and like bird eggs; she was trading human eggs yeah, as hu- yeah like like a like a modern day craigslist just eggs for sale is that is where that, you is, get eggs is that a craigslist thing that is a craig that is a thing you can do on craigslist using these secret channels though proved really tedious uh arnold began looking for some more military work in hopes of ending the war so that he could have uh you know free a much freer egg trade mm-hmm. so arnold became uh, increasingly distressed that the u.s would not succeed uh in this war uh, and began plans to move his family to London in the summer of 1780. Now, he was still working the black market egg trade, and this was soon discovered by George Washington, G-Dubs. Mm. By this point, uh, the staffing and supply issues at West Point uh, were a result of him just not giving a fuck about that job. Like, just all he wanted to do was was swap eggs with people. Um, just take them out of Which ladies and swap them is not good for military strategy. Right, exactly. So, you know, he was waiting for the right time to just, like, rage quit that job. Just set the whole place on fire just leave a courier was intercepted by g-dubs um, with what he thought were the plans to west point he actually incorrectly decoded the first ever beg- eggs benedict recipe and yeah completely misunderstood <laughs> Very incorrectly yeah it was decoded. he was way off their 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 system was pretty but, good anyway they failed to capture arnold as we all know and he moved to britain just to trade eggs in europe now Many historians incorrectly believe that Arnold continued his military career in Britain, um, but this was a clerical error. There was actually a Benedict Arnold Cumberbatch who was um, a British officer at that time. Uh, but Cumberbatch is a ridiculous name for anyone to say out loud, so he just mm. shortened it to the first in the middle. Mm. Yeah. Um, which makes sense, right? Like, that's, yeah. Anyway, so. Who would call themselves that if they had a choice? So as with many other things in history, uh, the Benedict Arnold story was just a big misunderstanding. Uh, he wasn't a traitor with a T. He was a traitor of eggs. The mistake actually makes a lot of sense because homophones are hard when you have syphilis. And <laughs> everyone had syphilis back then. To it was fair. the HPV of colonial America. <laughs> to be fair, I think a lot of things are hard when you have syphilis. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, not, keeping your brain There's one alive. thing that's definitely not hard when you have syphilis. <laughs> it's your penis. So got you in that mess in the first place. <laughs> just, just to clarify. <laughs> Zach, thank you. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I Also, one of the things was when I first Googled Benedict Arnold, Benedict Cumberbatch was, of course, the first thing to come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had that so, problem, too. And as we established on our previous podcast, the First World Privilege Hour, Benedict Arnold has the Benedict Cumberbatch has the most British name possible, mm-hmm. uh, which is his full name, Benedict Timothy Carlton Cumberbatch. And to be fair, oh. guys, this podcast came out like five or six years ago, so it was a pretty fresh observation at the time. At the time, yeah, <laughs> hot takes. He was just in Sherlock, I think, at that mm-hmm. point. <laughs> Other Zach, you are serving as judge for this episode. I think Zach's story has, I honestly think, is better research than Brian's actual history. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Um, so that's a big point for it. I do like that Brian's actual history makes me think of Mad Men so much. <laughs> that's 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 what it, that's something it's got going for it. And I also like Benedict Arnold retaining his place as kind of a straight up and down traitor. But Zach's story offered us a lot of opportunities for great puns, which was great for our pun board, which of course is how we are eventually going to maybe the best episode yet. Oh, for the pun we've board. definitely got the most mileage on the <laughs> on the pun board for this one. Here's my fear. <laughs> <laughs> If I accept Zach's history, I'm scared I will ever fucking have to talk about eggs on this podcast ever again. (laughs) And I kind of think we've exhausted the well. I think exclusively to avoid future egg puns. I'm going to accept true history this time. This is the most Pyrrhic of victories. All right, great. Well, I'm glad I uh, worked so hard on that. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Great. Hasn't, um, hasn't, uh, <laughs> doesn't the alternate history only lose like maybe 20% of the time? Well, that was when we were doing the listener vote. I think the whole point of the, the standard vote is we're trying to even the scales a little yeah, bit. A little mm. bit. Good. So, so my hard work is just a casualty of that war. <laughs> Fine. Yes, Fine. Exactly. Much like Benedict Arnold. <laughs> of course, if we had accepted yours, you would have received $4,000. <laughs> Instead, it merely gets recorded on a podcast that very few people listen to. Depends on your definition of very few. Depends <laughs> on your definition of people. <laughs> yeah, true. Exactly. Zach, thank you. Thank you. Listeners, if you want to weigh in or if you have more egg puns that we somehow missed, <laughs> uh, please send them to us at revisionistpodcast.com. Uh, you can also send them to us on Facebook or on Twitter. And while you are using your computer wizard thing, you can review this podcast on iTunes, which is very helpful to us. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has done that so far. I believe that does it for this episode. Although, Zach, I should have asked you this before recording. Do you have anything to plug? Uh, I do have a couple things to plug. I'm going to be on um, All Jacked Up at Jackrabbit Slims on Saturday to the 28th. I don't know when this is coming out. Um, uh, I, it's coming out the, the 28th, so if you're really on top of it, Yeah, listeners. so if you get to it quick. Um, I'm also going to be in Fort Collins doing the big boot, the big break at the boot contest. Oh, okay. um, I'm doing nice. that the first round on June 7th. And then I will be at the Laugh Out Loud show at Compound Basics for Pride Weekend on Thursday, June 16th. That's going to be a really fun show. Come to that one for sure. Yes. Zach, we have the, the horde of episodes of Stage of Fools. Yeah, on hiatus, but the backlog's there. Yep. Oh, and I'm at Zachary Welchery on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, that's right. There you go. 
Uh, and I'm assuming it's spelled Z-A-C-H, like all uh, non-heathens. Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-W-E-L-C-H-E-R-Y. Yeah. Yeah. Two things two Zachs can agree on, mm. unless they're terrible Zachs. Hopefully no, I'm just saying that uh, <laughs> any Zach who spells it C-K or God forbid with just C deserves to be purged. I think that does it for this episode with the <laughs> image of you somehow consuming Zack Snyder, which should disturb everyone. Uh, I'm Brian Except Flynn. Except for enthusiasts. I'm uh, Zach <laughs> <laughs> I'm Zach Welch. Thanks for joining us.